Lederhosen. Hello, and welcome to Take a Moment, a Bachelor podcast. For Maddie's friends, I'm Annalise. And for Annalise's friends, I'm Maddie. So you may have noticed there's no Paulina this week. Instead, we have my lovely roommate, Maddie. Uh, Maddie, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I'm happy to step in. I'm somewhat green to the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise uh, scene. I think my first season was Ari and then Becca, and then I had a big gap in my understanding. But ever since Annalise and I started living together, I don't think I've missed anything. Um, and I don't think I've let you miss anything is actually no, what <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. I have learned a lot. Um, and I think that I definitely have like some brain damage from watching Bachelor in Paradise, but otherwise it's like, it's very stimulating. It always gives me something to look forward to on Monday nights and it's, it's a panty, you know, there's not much else going on. Live, love, panty. Am I right? <laughs> um, I feel bad because I really hyped up Paradise before we watched the season. And was this your first Paradise season ever? I'd seen clips of others, but I knew this was like inordinately bad. Yeah, I feel like it was not reflective of the Paradise experience as a whole because Paradise mm-hmm. is usually my favorite of the shows. But this year it was just like all drama all the time and it was not as pleasant. But thank you for sticking with it. And thanks for stepping in for Paulina this week. I'm honored. Uh, We usually start off each episode by talking a little bit about what we thought of this week. So what did you think of this week's episode? I thought it was productive because it advanced the storyline. It was like significantly less interesting than past episodes. But I think part of that is just due to like the worst humans are finally gone Mm -hmm. and there's a bit of a lull. Um, so I thought that it was important um, and I, yeah. Yeah, I think productive is a really good word for it. The last few weeks have just felt slow because we've dragged out what happened at the end of each episode into the beginning of the next one. Whereas this week we wrapped up all of our storylines and we're finally back on track, rose ceremony at the end of an episode. And now we're heading into Hope Towns, like back on schedule. Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, so we start off this very productive week with the end of Sarah's one-on-one date. We saw, we actually get a recap from last week at the top of this episode, um, showing what happened at the end of her one-on-one with Clayton last week, where she gets the rose despite allegations that she's not ready for marriage. Um, so as Sarah's walking back, she's kind of like narrating her thought process and gets a few zingers in there. What I thought was really interesting was we flash back to the house and we start to see what becomes like the theme of this episode, which is the women starting to be a little bit resentful Mm -hmm. towards Sarah. We get some zingers from Mara and we get (laughs) Gabby talks like a Muppet and says that she hopes that (laughs) Sarah doesn't come back, (laughs) (laughs) which like is the most charming way you can hope for somebody's failure. Sarah comes back home and confronts the women about the allegations against her. And what did you think of how Sarah handled this situation overall? Like, what did you think of her little speech? Her speech in front of the women, I thought was like done very maturely and pushed Mm -hmm. back on the theme that she's too young, she's too mature. But then as soon as they cut to her little like side cameo, when she's talking to the camera, I completely understand what the women were insinuating when they were like, she told us too much and she's overblowing the situation and she's waving it in our faces. Mm -hmm. Um, So I saw like a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on that I didn't like. Yeah, it felt kind of like she was performing. Like she Mm -hmm. clearly knows exactly what she's doing. She knows how to get like her boss bitch moment in front of the women. She knows how to get screen time from being kind of sassy in her ITMs. And it seems like, Um, we'll get a little bit, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but she knows what to say when the cameras aren't on her based off of Mm -hmm. things that the other women have said. Um, I agree. I was like, yes, go girl. You're like totally rocking this conversation. And I had a very different opinion of her by the end of the episode. Uh, My favorite part was definitely her saying that Mara can (laughs) 
fly back to America in the middle seat to the New Jersey Turnpike with a glass of cheap wine. That was so specific and so genius. And the fact that she lives in New York makes it even better. Exactly. Just like chef's kiss, vivid imagery. We love it. Uh, We move on to the cocktail party. And uh, we do get one really sweet moment before everything devolves into further Sarah and Mara drama which is Clayton slash the producers set up jars of little twinkle lights for Serene and Clayton um, because Serene talked about how one of her favorite memories growing up was her, um, her and her cousin going out to see fireflies. And I'm just glad that Serene is getting the attention she deserves here. Completely. And I, frankly, I know she's a little bit reserved. I haven't seen her smile that big or like the light literally come into her eyes until that moment. And that's the first time I believe that she was really into Clayton. Mm -hmm. I know that she has been an active participant on dates. I know that she's been not, you know, shy or not, not vocal, but her body language, the look on her face, I thought she was pretty touched and it was very sweet. Yep. I absolutely agree. You could tell how meaningful it was to her. We go from this lovely moment to just absolute garbage. Um, Sarah kind of leads into this by saying she feels like her brain is moving really slowly. And I have to agree. I also feel like my brain slows down here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see Mara walk in in the best dress I think I've seen in a really long time. It is black. It is low cut. It is dramatic. It is like revenge dress, villainess dress, perfect for this occasion. And she asks Sarah if they can go talk outside alone. Um, Did you gain anything of substance from this conversation that she has with Sarah? No. And this is why I'm so conflicted about Sarah is because I was so... I I think Mara way overstepped, Mara, Mara, way overstepped and just made all these unfounded accusations. And clearly she's insecure about her relationship. And as an older and more mature woman, I think that's doubly embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And her saying like this cute confidence, it almost sounded like when a male boss is putting down like his female underling or like an annoyed parent or teacher. And it really turned me off to her. I absolutely agree. Um, Feminism once again took a step backwards when she told her to be (laughs) cute and quiet while being Mm -hmm. confident. That's just not a cool thing to say to another woman. Um, And what I thought was kind of interesting about this is we see the women try to listen in and watch this conversation. And then the other women get ITMs about what's going on. And they all seem to side with Mara. So I'm really confused about where the drama with Sarah started because we're led to believe it starts right now, but it seems like they've had issues with Sarah before. It's been bubbling, I think. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I think maybe like she just rubbed some of them the wrong way. And then there were just, it was either cumulative or there was an escalation this episode. And Mm. that's why we're here, but who knows the editing on this show just gets worse and worse. Um, We finally see Clayton. Um, We get little moments of him sprinkled throughout uh, little one-on-one interactions with the other women, but nothing really substantial, I don't think. No. Uh, And then he walks in for the rose ceremony. And I wrote down that he walks in like it's the first time he's ever walked. (laughs) Like... I can't tell if it's that his pants don't fit or if he's just uncomfortable in a suit, but he just, it's like, it's like a newborn, you know? It com- completely, or like a doll brought to life. When yeah. Like a Ken doll figuring out his joints for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Good analogies. Uh, this week, we say goodbye to Mara and Eliza. I loved Eliza. I'm so sad to see her go. She's like Princess Tiana. She does. Yeah. She's got the high bun. Just, she looks incredibly elegant. Uh, Were you surprised by any of the eliminations or anybody getting a rose? I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed for Eliza, but I also figured like someone so decent and kind of understated is bound to get the ax at this point. Um, Mara's exit. I mean, those stomps were so funny. (laughs) Clonk, clonk, clonk. I mean, it's bo- it's made for Disney. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And like Maddie and I both grew up doing ballet, so we're pretty comfortable in heels. And whenever people are clearly not comfortable in heels, but try to convince <laughs> themselves that they are, it's just, I love it. I'm obsessed. It never works. <laughs> never works. We head off to Vienna, Austria next. Have you been to Vienna before? I have not been to Vienna. So I was kind of intrigued and it's also not something like random town, Croatia or Canada. So I, I was excited. Yeah, I was too. Um, I had to text my mom to confirm. I have also not been to Vienna, but I have been to Salzburg because I was a huge Sound of Music fan when I was like five. And my mom's best friend lived in London and we went to visit her and they were nice enough to take me to Salzburg. And we did the Sound of Music bus tour and it was the greatest day of my life. So if you're ever in Austria, just do the Sound of Music bus tour. Frankly, I would go there just for the Sound of Music bus tour. Honestly, yes, it is great. Highly recommend. Mm -hmm. um, the first one-on-one -on -one date of the episode is Susie getting her second one-on-one -on -one date. They do the pretty woman style date where Clayton just puts everything on ABC's credit card and um, Susie gets to be just kind of spoiled. Do you like this date? Like, is this something that you would want if you were on the show? I think it would take a really a really particular bachelor for me to be comfortable doing this with. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the gist of it, but if you, and I think that Susie was a great pick because I had, they picked someone who was an ounce less appreciative or um, just like a little, had a little more of an attitude. It would feel so gross and like materialistic, but she was so gracious. And I like that they focused on the artistic element. It was like, this is, I don't know if that woman is an atelier, but like she has a craft and these are things that she made for you. Um, so I, I liked it. That's a really good point that they focused on the, the craft and the artistry of it. Usually it's just like, oh, were the bottoms of your shoes red? <laughs> exactly. It's like the materialism really comes out. I think they do a pretty good job overall of picking somebody who is fairly humble to go on these dates. Like Rachel Kirkconnell got it on Matt's season. Becca Kufrin got it on Ari's season. Um, I want to say... They didn't really do it on Pilot Pete's season, but um, Hannah Ann Celeste got like the Revolve haul of all the clothes. And I think that she's probably like the least humble of recent mm -hmm. ones, but even then she's like not super ostentatious or flashy. So I agree. I think if they pick anybody who's even like a little bit materialistic, it can come off as just awkward and tacky. Totally. Um, the whole time that Susie is trying on these gowns, um, all I could think was how much she looks like Hannah Brown because they keep showing her side profile. Completely, yes. It's like, the, I don't want to say the Walmart version or the Costco versions because she's so beautiful, but mm -hmm. they look like they could be siblings. Yeah, it's like the 1.0 and the 2.0 version for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, the I also just like, they're really, really setting her up to be the bachelorette, um, especially when she gets the nighttime portion of the date, they have this random Austrian man with a thick German accent come by looking for Fräulein Susi. <laughs> uh, he drops off one of the couture dresses. She throws it on and just casually rolls up to a castle for dinner with Clayton. He talks about how like humble and genuine she seemed while she's getting showered. And she was like, this is so far from my real life, my family is very humble my parents grew up very humble like mm -hmm. this is so outside of my norm and I'm just really thankful for it it just like she's it's hers to lose like if she's not the bachelorette it's because she royally screwed something up right precisely yeah I, I put in my notes like it doesn't feel gloaty it feels like she's truly blown away and grateful to be in that situation I do think it's actually out of her element mm -hmm. um yeah completely agree yeah, it seems very authentic. Like her humility isn't an act that she's putting on. She's genuinely this excited about it. Right. Um, Susie, of course, gets the rose and they bring this man out of a freezer to sing the song <laughs> Lady in Red. Um, this is a song that I forgot existed until they brought the man out of the freezer to sing it to them. But like what, what would have happened if like none of the red dresses fit her? What would they have done? That's an excellent point. Maybe he was like in a room with four other people who have written, had written songs about like <laughs> colors or lace or velvet. 
they ABC's like budget is like Elvis. insane. Yeah. <laughs> they, they defrosted him just in time. But why couldn't they get Casey Musgraves to come in and sing Velvet Elvis? See, you know, that would be too good for them. They need the someone only... who's like straight D-list. Exactly. Yeah. Like the most random artists that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw TikTok the other day with uh, Restless Road, I think was the name of that one country band. Paulina had heard of them before, but neither of mm-hmm. uh, neither you nor I had. Um, somebody was just using one of their songs in a TikTok. Okay. So they got a little bit of, they got a little bump. Yeah. A little bachelor bump. We love Something. it. <laughs> Next up, we have the group date on this group date. We have Sarah, Teddy, Genevieve, Rachel, and Gabby, which means my queen Serene gets another one-on-one. Right on Serene. I love her. I'm so excited. Um, can you name me literally anything about Austria or Vienna specifically besides Sigmund Freud like I didn't know he was from Austria there has to be something else they could have done right you would have thought um I mean they could have gone to see like ballet or classical music or um sound of music bus tour yes like eating whatever the Austrian version of sauerkraut is um and psychoanalysis like is interesting to me I was I I think you and I would both dig that date but we also recognize that like that's not that's not a recognized form of like evidence-based psychology at all yeah it's not couples therapy no it was like (laughs) this whole thing was completely mismarketed it's also not Freudian at all he is like I mean not that not that at least not what it is now no exactly yeah like he was he did deal with interpersonal relationships, but like the Oedipus complex is what Freud mm-hmm. was really known for. Um, the stages of like childhood development in relationship to their parents is what he was known for. Not like. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know what, maybe they were just thinking of, uh, of Gabby and her relationship with her mom and they're looking mm-hmm. to pull on that string a little bit. Yeah, like start to pluck the threads out so they can just like yank it out during hometowns next Completely, week. Completely, yes. Um, when Clayton announces that they're going to be doing couples therapy, the women look like they've been asked to like chew glass or something. They look so upset, except for Sarah, who's grinning from ear to mm-hmm. ear. Um, Genevieve specifically talks about how she intentionally does not go to therapy because she doesn't like to talk about things that make her upset. So, of course, the show is going to force her to talk about things that make her upset. Right. And I, all of their initial reactions to me, like, make sense other than Sarah's. And it weirded me out because you can be appreciative of therapy or psychoanalysis and its benefits without being, like, over the moon. It almost reminded me of someone who's about to perform or present or whatever and has no nerves at all, which usually that means that they don't care. And for her, I was like, it's either that she doesn't care or she knows she can game this. So I was suspicious from her like weird joker reaction to hearing about it. Exactly. And later on, she, when she first sits down with the therapist, she like thanks her for being there, talks about how much she loves therapy. She has a couple of ITMs where she talks about how much she loves going to therapy because she loves just having somebody to talk to about her problems Um, She specifically tells the therapist, who I think is just an actor, not actually a therapist, but anyway, um, she tells this woman that she loves therapy because she always wants to take steps to make herself better. Mm -hmm. Um, It like, it feels like she read a lot of Twitter threads and think pieces about the benefits of therapy and decided to regurgitate those in the attempt to make herself look really good and for want of a better word like woke basically right completely and like her past action at least in my opinion does not reflect someone who has a true understanding of what therapy is supposed to do for you like Mm -hmm. it's not calling people or their actions like weak ass or bitch ass moves you know it's not like yeah that doesn't track it reminds me a little bit of people who use like instagram graphics and therapy buzzwords to Mm -hmm. like 
excuse themselves for not being kind, mm-hmm. yes. which is like my biggest pet peeve. Like weaponized therapy is like really high up there on things I have beef with. We feel very passionately about um, things presented on Instagram on a canvas slide with no context and people just repost and you're like, yes, if someone makes you feel a certain way, stomp on them because no one matters, but you and your feelings. Exactly. I'm going to sound like Ben Shapiro, but that's just like not (laughs) always reality. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the vibe I was getting from Sarah is the, the contextless canvas slides from Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. We do get, before all of the Sarah stuff goes down, we do get some, I don't know if it was nice or not, but we do get a little bit more insight into Gabby's dynamic. She seems like not happy to be talking with the therapist, but she seems like comfortable and like she's opening up authentically, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is poor Genevieve, who she kind of talks like a robot and I think it's just because she's nervous and she is very matter of fact about how much she doesn't want to be there. And then they show her just saying nothing at all when the therapist asks her to open up. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you think of this whole like Genevieve situation that leads to her going home? I felt terrible for her because, and I wasn't shocked though, because how uncomfortable would it be to go through psychoanalysis with someone who accused you of being an actor or an actress last week, someone who looked you in the eye or two weeks ago, whatever it was, and said, are you a paid actress and are you lying to me? And then you have to go across the world and sit in a room with them. And this woman, a stranger, forces you to out your feelings. Like, frankly, I think she, my suspicion is that she lost interest for him right around that time and is exhausted and wants to go home. I agree. Yeah. I think that she knows that it's not going to be her. She knows Mm -hmm. that she hasn't gotten a one-on-one. She knows that within the last week or two, he's accused her of being an actress, just like you're saying. And I think she has the ick for him. Like, I think she knows that it's not going to be her at the end. I don't think she wants it to be her at the end. So she's just like, I'm not going to make myself uncomfortable for somebody I don't care about. Exactly. Which pay right on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Their breakup conversation is very cordial very mature very mutual like Clayton basically says I feel like you're not opening up enough for me to meet your family next week and she's like same goodbye right um we also for the first time start to see Rachel show some doubts in the relationship when they're sitting with the therapist she expresses that like she hasn't felt entirely comfortable this whole time and that's the first time that we really see her rattled at all Mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And it comes into play during the cocktail party as well. Um, I'm also cracking up that this doctor woman slash actress woman like comes to the group and talks about <laughs> how some of their conversations were really productive, but at least one person was being performative and Clayton just cannot handle this. He literally says like, all right, well, we have a cocktail party to get to. Basically like I'll handle this later. He just, he's like so tired. He reminds, I don't know, he just reminds me of a dad with whose kids are misbehaving and he's like, we'll talk about it at home. <laughs> yep. Like with the strain in his voice and everything too. Yeah. I, fe- I feel bad for him. And frankly, I think it, I'm sure there's a producer's hand in it, but it's almost like he doesn't have enough to offer that they focus so much on the women and their interpersonal relationships because like they're not getting what they need out of him. Right. This is the problem when you pick a sad sack vanilla man to be the bachelor. Right. When you pick somebody who can be easily manipulated, it's because they don't have a lot of substance. They don't have a lot of backbone. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of individuality. So you're left with a boring show that relies on the women calling each other bitches and hoes. Right. Bingo. We do get to the cocktail party. Um, Clayton expresses his concerns about somebody being performative and literally it was like, all right, Scooby gang, let's get together and figure out who she was talking about. Rachel, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you first. Yeah. And I think that that's intentional because it seems like he maybe, I don't want to say he trusts her the most, but they have such a connection that he's like, I'm going to give you 
Well, first of all, that's such a confidence boost to be like, I know she wasn't talking about you because frankly, he has been so wishy-washy about anything that like a qualifying statement from him or, you know, it is such a big deal. And he's like, yeah, I know it wasn't about you. And you can see her relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows that she's becoming his confidant, which I am sure is a big boost. Right. Like she said last week that she's not sure that she's going to be getting rose. She's not sure if she's going to be here the next week. That is as sure a sign as you can get that mm-hmm. you're going to be here next week and that he really trusts you. She, um, Rachel's the first one to bring up Sarah's name. She talks about how it's really been going on since uh, Sarah's first one-on-one date, which was in LA. I believe it was week three of the show or week two, very early. Um, She says that when Sarah came back, she talked to Rachel and Teddy and told them lots of intimate details about the date, including that she and Clayton cried together on the date. And Clayton's like, excuse me, that didn't happen. Um, Rachel says that it was in Croatia, which is where they were last week, that she and Teddy realized just how much Sarah was affecting their experience. So kind of going back to an earlier point that we were discussing Do you think that this has been building and kind of cumulative or like, I'm just, I'm a little bit confused about the timeline here. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rachel kind of also seems to be a bit confused about the timeline. Right. I'm, I was confused. I, well, I, I understand the situation and I don't doubt that it happened. The intensity of it really threw me off. Like they felt that passionately about it, that they were all willing to kind of band together. It seemed like and expose Sarah, which, you know, you do what you have to do. But I didn't realize it had gotten that bad that quickly. And I think that maybe they hadn't either. I think maybe Mara like pointed out some things as she was leaving that did really rub them the wrong way about Sarah. Mm -hmm. And they're now realizing like, oh, actually this made me uncomfortable and this made me uncomfortable and this made me uncomfortable. It's kind of more retrospective almost. Right, right. Uh, regardless, we see little snips of Clayton talking to the other women about Sarah, and they're all kind of backing up what Rachel is saying. So Clayton finally pulls Sarah and says that he's heard her name from the other women, that she's making the other women uncomfortable. And Sarah kind of Michael Scott style, like starts a sentence and doesn't know where it's going to end. She first says that her relationships with the other women are incredibly strong and they're some of her best friends, then talks about how she's been with them as they've cried, but when she tries to express emotion, they like shut her down, tell her to shut up. Um, And she seems to think like it's really been since she got her second one-on-one that the women have all turned on her. And throughout this whole thing, her voice gets very high and whiny and she's sniffling a lot and notably her eyes are completely dry. Right. Right. And I, I think it kind of shot her in the foot because like, it's perfectly believable to me that girls would get jealous because you got more attention, which is completely out of your control. And had she presented that and, and said like, and I was gloating or I went too far and was like giving them too much information to get a reaction out of them. Like it probably would have saved her, but she's like, I just, you know, I wanted to leave. And frankly, it sounded like she pulled Shanae's talking points. Like I wanted to leave when I'm in front of you, they're fine. And then, you know, when I'm, when it's just me and them, they turn on me. Like it, it seemed very much like Sinead 2.0. Yeah. That's a really good comparison, actually. Very over the top. Like some things are based in reality and some things are not. The thing that I'm really curious about, they showed in the very first part of the season, they showed Cassidy and Sierra having that conversation about her um, booty call back home. Right. I wish we had any sort of footage of Sarah talking to Teddy and Rachel about her one-on-one date. Um, mm-hmm. Because she, um, during her speech to the women at the top of this episode, she says that Clayton interpreted the accusations against her as a last ditch effort by somebody who feels like they're going home. And I went back and rewatched the end of her one-on-one date with Clayton and he, we don't see him saying this. That doesn't mean that he didn't say it at some point, but we don't see that on screen. Right. 
So I'm just wondering, like, is Sarah just making shit up left and right? Or Mm -hmm. are they cutting things out to make her seem like she's making shit up left and right? I asked myself the same question um, because like I, he didn't cry, right? From what we saw? No. I feel like that would have been, that's a great visual. And that's a great way to like show that you can break him down. And if they didn't show that, then I'd be super thrown off. So I think she might be lying there. Yeah, I think she's embellishing and I think she's taking what she interprets from situations and stating it as fact. Completely. So after Sarah cries but produces no tears, Clayton says, I'm just going to be real with you. I feel like you were trying to to fake cry right now, which finally he's seen the light. He realizes he's being manipulated he basically says he can't trust her anymore and yeets her out of there. Um, she tries to play it off as like, I'm so exhausted from this week that I have no tears left to cry. But okay, her voice Ariana completely- Grande. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She was going through her sweetener phase right before the show. Um, her voice completely changes once he calls her out. Completely. She, it like dries up. It sounds, yeah. And frankly, it's kind of like a fool me twice situation. I was proud of Clayton. I think you and I saw that moment at the same time. And we're like, whoa, this guy has evolved because he's no, you know, which good for him, but her face, her body and her voice completely change. And it's almost like she doesn't entirely give up, but it's like, she knows she's losing. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, She tries to like plead her case as he is actively walking her to the car (laughs) and she tries to say like my relationships with the women which I said five minutes ago were incredibly strong but now are like so contentious that they're falsely accusing me of things and my relationship with you are completely separate and I wish you could see that and he's like I just don't trust you anymore it's like I straight up don't believe you and then they give each other a hug which, no, if you break up with me, do not try to hug me. No. Leave me alone. No, get in the car and go. Um, I really think that the reason why he is reacting to this situation so differently than the Shanae situation is the people he likes are now involved. Like, as soon right. as Rachel is like, this bitch made me uncomfortable, he's like, she gone. Right. I'm done. Right. Because I think he knows he loses credibility every time he denies one of them, too. Yeah, that's a good point. At the end of the cocktail party, Clayton does not give out the rose. He says that he needs to make sure that he's giving it to the right person. Basically, I have a conspiracy theory. It's that he wanted to give it to Rachel and production Mm -hmm. said, no, you've given her the last two group date roses and a one-on-one rose. You have to take her to the rose ceremony before you can give her that rose. Completely agree. So we get no hometown confirmation from this date. We then move on to Serene's one-on-one date. I timed this date on the rewatch. <laughs> it was seven minutes. That's brutal. I it mean, was... the shrimp got like a good 25, you know? Exactly, yeah. Like this date is great. They're very charming. They get another wander around the city date like he did with Teddy last week. Um, we get him eating hot chestnuts that are too hot and he nearly burns his mouth, which makes me hate him even more. Right. Um, at the dinner portion, Serene talks about the last boy that she brought, brought home to meet her parents. It was her high school boyfriend. They dated for a long time, but they outgrew each other. And Clayton is like, same, that's what happened with me and my ex. And uh, Serene says that she's falling in love with Clayton. Um, she can do so much better than this man, but she does get the rose. <laughs> Did you take anything away from this one-on-one date? I think it's really sweet, but I do question their compatibility. I think that Serene is not showing, maybe it's unintentional, but I haven't heard anything about like her job or where she's from or her family or her friends. It's been like, our relationship is getting stronger and you just have to take it for what it is because you're not being given anything else. And she comes across, which definitely has some swag. And he doesn't have any. Um, and I, I appreciate that. It sounds insulting to say that she's like humoring him. But yeah, I, I'm like, good for you guys. I just I don't see it long term. Yeah, I think she's really getting swept up in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Because good, good way to put it. On paper, they almost could not be less compatible. Mm-hmm. 
And when you see them interact with each other, it's clear that they're just on completely different intellectual levels and right. their dispositions mm-hmm. are like completely different too. Absolutely. Yeah. He needs someone who's goofy, I think. And she's a little more reserved and sophisticated. She does have a little bit of a goofy side, but like, it's so subtle that mm-hmm. it's incredibly noteworthy. Like when they had had the, um, the peer date where she was like getting a little bit silly, but even then she was still like very poised and polished. Yes, exactly. You're right. He needs somebody who is willing to dance around in lederhosen with him like Susie was <laughs> at the end of the date. Lederhosen. Um, we do get to see more of Serene because she does get the group or the one-on-one date rose. So she's going to hometowns. Woohoo. Where's she from? Uh, Oklahoma City. Okay, cool. I don't think we've been to Oklahoma in a while. If ever. Wow. Yeah. I know that um, on Chris Souls's season, which is like one of my favorite seasons ever, they went to Nebraska, but I think that might be as close as they've gotten. <laughs> That's as close as they've gotten to Oklahoma. Yeah. That, that whole region of the country, um, further alienating our, our listeners, that whole region <laughs> of the country just kind of like blends together for me, yeah. like Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, like all That's those okay. Things. People I went to school with in Indiana thought that like Virginia was next to New York and that Pennsylvania was like upside down. And I mean, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, We wrap up this episode with a rose ceremony at the end of the episode, finally. Um, And Clayton is dressed like Neapolitan ice cream. Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't understand. Um, Carrie Fetman, come at me. I will fight you for your crimes against style. (laughs) And we do unfortunately say goodbye to Teddy. Mm -hmm. Did you think Teddy was going to go farther than this? I thought like from seeing her at the jump, I think she got the first impression rose, didn't she? I yeah. thought she was like going all the way and she's beautiful. She's very sweet. She cannot say a full sentence without punctuating it by the word like about a thousand times. I had a note earlier that when she reads the group date card, that's the longest I've heard her speak without <laughs> saying like. So for selfish reasons, I'm glad that she's done because it was starting to drive me crazy. Yeah. Um, I also think, and this is, again, I was telling Annalise, I am a feminist. This is going to sound anti-feminist, but she needs a lot of validation. She clearly is a little bit less experienced, not just sexually, but all in all. And I think Clayton might be turned off to that. He might just want someone who's less quote unquote work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not super shocked. And frankly, I just, I just love Gabby. It's not like I dislike Teddy, but I'm excited to see Gabby a little more. Yep, I agree. I think there was no way that they weren't going to give Gabby a hometown once she talked about her relationship with her mom because the show mm-hmm. loves to exploit <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I agree. I think Teddy, it seems like Teddy just hasn't been in a lot of relationships where she feels comfortable with like the unknown in a relationship or kind of the mm-hmm. silence in a relationship. Um you know, I feel like people in less experienced relationships will sometimes like expect undivided attention and communication from a partner. And that's just not really how adult relationships work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think she like needs to just date around a little bit more and then she'll kind of, she'll kind of level out and need less of the, less of the uh, validation from guys. Spot on, I think. Um, was there anything that you thought was noteworthy from the preview for next week? Oh, um, I mean, I, clearly the meltdown is going to begin very shortly. <laughs> um, and I think that Clayton's Achilles heel is that he just doesn't know how to, his timing, frankly, mm-hmm. you could say all of these things and get away with them with the right timing. And clearly, you know, we've heard him profess his love for multiple women, that he's been intimate with multiple women. And it's like these big public embarrassing forums. And it's already on national television. Like, is there a more? So anyway, it's a long-winded way of saying, like, I think the meltdown is going to begin. And I think it's because he just doesn't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he makes a lot of boneheaded moves. Um, I do like that. (laughs) 
his dad roasts him by the looks of it. His dad is like, yeah, of course, nobody wants to be here. You slept with two of them, told them that you were in love with all three of them. And you expected them to want to continue. Right. I wonder, it'll be interesting to see like if the third woman is upset that he wasn't intimate with her, or if the two other women are upset and feel used by the fact that he's like in love with all of them, but didn't sleep with one of them. I'm, I wonder how that'll pan out. So I, um, I'm unspoiled. I know reality Steve just posted mm-hmm. his spoilers this week. I've avoided them like the plague. Nobody spoiled me. Thank you. Um, like, honestly, this podcast is the only thing that's keeping me from not spoiling myself. Yeah. Um, Cause I know some of the people who listen don't want the spoilers, but I am convinced that he has his, I'm convinced his final three is Susie, Rachel, and Serene. I think he has mm-hmm. his one, his um, overnights with Rachel and Serene first. And on his overnight with Susie at the dinner portion, he tells her that he's in love with her and she is like, I'm not there yet. I know that the other girls have really strong feelings for you. Like I'm going to just like peace out. And that's when we get the clip of him yelling, like, I told you, I loved you. And that's how you respond. Like, was this whole thing a fake? Were you lying to me this entire time? So I think he would have slept with her if Mm -hmm. given the opportunity, but she eliminated herself before the overnight portion. I think that hypothesis is spot on. I mean, it it definitely happens with one of them because we see the screaming clip. So basically it wasn't like he didn't want to sleep with all three of them. Just the opportunity did not present itself. Right. He would have. Yeah. He thinks with his little Clayton a little too much. (laughs) So that is the episode. Um, Maddie, shall we get into some of our picks for this week? Yes, let's do it. Uh, who did you think was best dressed this episode? Uh, Gabby in Austria with that blue peacoat and those pleather khaki colored flared pants. I love those. You love a good like 70s-ish look Completely. and those pants were very 70s. So yes. Um, my favorite was when Susie's trying on all of the couture gowns, she tries on first this pink fluffy gown that's made out of feathers. And it is my dream dress. I'm obsessed with it. It's beautiful. Um, who do you think had the best one-on-one time or chemistry? I, I have to give it to Rachel, unfortunately, after the psychoanalyst woman says that someone was being disingenuous and he like cuddles up with Rachel. I was like, okay, who do you think it is? That little intimate moment sealed the deal for me. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's picking Rachel. Nobody can convince me otherwise. Right. Um, for me, it was serene with the fireflies. I just thought that was so like, so sweet and such a good callback. I don't care that it wasn't actually Clayton's idea. I know it was Mm -hmm. production, but I still thought it was cute. I agree. Um, what was your yikes moment this week? Um, all right. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Sarah has lip injections. Mm-hmm. And um, when she's trying to like get the lip tremble going before she starts fake crying, it just looks like she got stung by a bee and it's terrible. And it just made me cringe. I was also noticing um, I was re-watching the end of the one-on-one date last week to try to get what Clayton actually said at the end of it she does the like old Kylie Jenner overlining her lips like I think she actually has a bow lip in her upper lip but she just completely fills in the little dent from the bow to make it bigger that wouldn't surprise me I'd have to take a look that's nonsense I don't like it Mm. um my yikes this week was Clayton sticking the hot chestnut in his mouth and just going (laughs) hop hop because it's like burning a four-year-old he literally an overgrown toddler like he looks like three toddlers in a trench coat yes uh what was your favorite activity this week I don't know if this entirely counts as an activity but at the end when the credits are rolling and Susie and Clayton do their dance what's it called their lederhosen I think it's lederhosen that cracked me up because you know usually those things are corny and she just got into it completely it was like sticking her little toes out with her knee highs on <laughs> dancing around in her like knee length shorts I really thought that was very funny 
Susie goes full send on everything. And I just, I admire her commitment to literally everything she does. Um, I'm going to be a little bit vapid. My favorite (laughs) activity was the pretty woman date. I love getting all dressed up. So being in a big poofy dress would be right up my alley. And that gorgeous palace thing. Uh, the sh- the wide shot of her in the dress with the train that's like as tall as she is or as long as she is tall and the palace and the fancy car and he actually looks properly dressed for one, <laughs> the whole thing man glorious um new category this week since we have eliminated almost everybody from the start of this season who would you like to see pair up in paradise So I was looking around because I can't keep track of the contestants. So I was scrolling through um, all of Michelle's dudes. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe Teddy and Brandon would be a good pair just because Teddy needs validation. She's a little bit on the innocent side. Brandon seems like gentlemanly, but he also loves really hard. And they're just like a very pretty couple. Um, And then purely for chaos's sake, I said, Sarah, and Chris S also from Michelle season <laughs> because they both work in investment management or investment banking. And it would just be like so much cash and so much vitriol and it'd be really uh, funny. And he is based out of Hollywood and she's based out of New York oh, city. So they could be bi-coastal and bougie. There we go. Uh, incredible. I love your chaos pick. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Um, I love Eliza. I want the world for her. I would like to see her paired up with either, I think Justin from Katie's season would mm-hmm. be good for her. Um, Olu from Michelle's season or Tabletop Rick. I loved Tabletop Rick. I'm obsessed with Tabletop Rick. I think he's fantastic. Um, so I could see them working as well. I think those are great. Thank you. And last but not least, do you have any predictions on how this season ends? I'm going to agree with you in that I think it's Rachel, Serene, and Susie. I think it's Rachel first, (sighs) Serene the second, Susie third. I do think that um, Susie was his original runner-up, but I think she Mm -hmm. self-eliminates and that's that's why she doesn't go farther. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see if if my prediction is correct, I'm really curious to see if that jeopardizes her shot at being bachelorette or- I was just thinking that. Because I think that they could do it when they really don't like the lead, they're perfectly fine throwing them under the bus. Like they did that with Juan Pablo. They did that a bit with Ari. Mm -hmm. um they did that a little bit with Colton but not as much as they should have um and they totally did that with Claire like they made her look like a crazy person I think that they could play it off from a kind of feminist angle of like he told her he loved her but that doesn't mean that she has to say it back good point like he reacted out of anger and embarrassment and that's not an okay way to talk to somebody even when you are feeling those things right um and maybe build her up as like a feminist icon that totally could be and we don't have any reason to think otherwise her behavior on the, this whole season has tracks with that yeah I mean like they edit the show after it happens they've thrown in absolutely nothing that tarnishes her image up until right. the end yeah, I think that's a very safe bet. Um, my, I've given my predictions a few times on the pod. I'm just like reiterating it. There's no way in hell this man is engaged. I don't think so. I don't think so. It can't be. <laughs> I mean, how would you get Rachel from, uh, clearly that's her sobbing on the stairs and all the previews. How do you move from that to get a ring on her finger in a couple of weeks? I do think that his final two do accept roses and do meet his parents, but yeah, exactly. How do you go from sobbing Cinderella style on the staircase to I'm going to meet your parents. I'm going to accept a proposal at the end of this. Right. Right. It's going to be messy. Um, I was looking on Wikipedia. Let me pull up the page again really quickly. Um, I 
go through Wikipedia just to make sure I get the names correctly of the people who go home. And mm-hmm. somebody has updated the airing schedule on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. So what they have written is next Monday, we get hometowns. The Monday after we get the women tell all, and we get two episodes that week. So Monday is the tell all Tuesday is fantasy suites. And then the week after we have a two night finale. So Monday okay. night and Tuesday night. Okay. I have no, no commentary on this, just that I thought that was interesting, but that's the way the season is. Right. They're dragging it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious. I don't care for that. I'm literally taking finals for the next two weeks. Oh. I wish <laughs> like, I wish they could have done this better. Like I really don't have time to watch two episodes the week of March 7th, but Ooh. um the sacrifice yeah thanks abc thank you for um right accommodating my final schedule in your airing schedule it's honestly rude i do have thoughts from paulina's mom um she did send them to me paulina's mom says i think it's the first time he actually hears what's going on around him still doesn't listen to anything that the date says but at least he kind of noticed little stuff. Still a boring season. I think that's very fair. I love Paulina's mom and she always gets it right. Moms know. Moms know, man. Um, that is it for this episode. Big thanks to Maddie for guest hosting. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Of course, anytime. Um, if you have feedback for us, you can text me. Um, you can message Maddie on LinkedIn. You can endorse you can. her on podcasting. Please. Um, you can make us a TikTok. You mm-hmm. can um, tell my professors. I don't think they know that I have a podcast, but you can tell them that you liked my podcast and that they should let me into med school for next year. Or else. Um, or else. And I think that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone. See you at hometowns. Catch you later.